fire to Panhandle, where what will be Claudette making landfall across southeast Louisiana will race to the north and east. By tomorrow, just an occasional shower or thunderstorm gets the break from the rains occur, and then a passing squall or two with a partly cloudy Sunday. 80s today, 70s to 80 tonight, 86 tomorrow, 88 for the afternoon Sunday. Thinking about retirement? Make sure a My Social Security account is a part of your plan. A My Social Security account gives you secure access to your personal earnings history and benefit status. You can find out if you're eligible to receive benefits, compare retirement benefit estimates at different ages or dates, view spousal benefit estimates, and more. Plan for your future. Open a My Social Security account at ssa.gov slash myaccount. Social Security. Securing today and tomorrow. Ralph Sanji, very nice outside and this closing in on the end of June here in well where I am is Covington in New Orleans though that's where the food show is based and I am on the uh on the microphone at the food show, Marianne Fitzmorris here. I want to mention that we have a new producer her name is Patty Burnaman and we know her from uh from WWL and um, we look forward to working with her. So say hello to her when you call. I hope you call. 556-9696 is the number. It was a really busy weekend for the Fitzmorai, starting with, well, Friday was not all that big a deal. I can't even remember. <laughs> the days go so quickly. And we do so much um eating that um oh I, I know where we went or at least i no maybe maybe that was thursday anyway um we went on saturday evening to um our usual rest a while when we when we get people from the south shore to drive over to meet us on the north shore because they know we're not traveling that far now uh, we usually meet at rest a while. I do that as sort of a courtesy to them so they don't have to come that far. And also because it's a great place and it it really sort of exemplifies the North Shore lifestyle. So Saturday night, we had the toughest customers come over. Tom is a very longtime friend of uh, Errol and Peggy Laborde, Peggy Scott Laborde from Channel 12, and her husband Errol from um, New Orleans Magazine, and a dear friend of ours, Dominic Massa from WWL. So all three of them made the trek across the bridge. Errol and Peggy are um, so New Orleans-centered that this was actually, um, I felt a little guilty, is all I can say. But um, if I recall correctly, and I'm not sure, they might get mad if I said this, but I do think, 
I mean, I know Tom has said this over the years. I don't know if he was exaggerating or if this was true, but Errol was a little put out when Tom moved to the North Shore. Tom probably defended it by saying that his wife was dragging him over here. But um, they don't, they like, they're mid-city residents through and through. So for them to come over to have dinner with us was, first of all, touching and uh, second, uh, we didn't have to twist their arm too much, but they were most impressed by uh, Rest a While, and um, why not? I mean, it's it's a fabulous place to have a meal. It is uh, outside on the lakefront. The breezes blow. It was just a fantastically lovely evening Saturday night. So much so that we did not leave until nearly 10 o'clock, which was shocking for us. And uh, it was a little surprising. We got there. We Tom and I left. Dominic had to work, so he wasn't going to be here until 7. So it was kind of late already for us. But, you know, we went with it because we didn't have to travel too far home. And um, it was... Uh, probably five, well, no, I think we left at like six from our house, which is only 20 minutes away. But I felt like I needed to go and just get a table or at least get in line for a table. I figured it would be about an hour wait because it has been an hour wait for most of the spring. And we've never been there at 7 o'clock in the evening. We usually go earlier than that. So this was the first time that we were hitting it at, quote, prime dining time. So I really expected it to be a long, long wait, but we were seated right away, which is uh, which was a little unfortunate for the poor waitress because we did take the table and we did uh, wait for them to get there. So um, we had some, uh, there were some drinks at the table and... Um, Tom started eating his beet salad, I guess, about 20 minutes before 7. And uh, then they arrived, and we just had a really, really nice time. It was really fun. But there were, we, I was quite surprised that we were, A, able to sit immediately, and, B, that we could have come at any point in the evening and have been seated right away. So, people have been to rest a while now. Maybe it's not so much the new kid in town, and so it is it is um, easier to dine there. That's not to say that that it's you know there's nobody there. It was full the entire evening, but there wasn't an hour wait as there had been earlier. Things have settled down a bit. We saw Pat, but he didn't see us. We were kind of out of the way in one of those picnic tables close to the uh, the rail facing the lake. So we had, um, Tom did not get his char-grilled oysters, which shocked me. He got a beet salad, which he always gets. And uh, Peggy got the, I think, um, almond fish. And Errol got the seafood platter. And um, Dominic, I'm not sure what Dominic had. I didn't, I didn't look over there as often as I did 
straight across. Tom got the beet salad, and then I got the uh, oyster poor boy. When we went with Daniel about two weeks ago, I was so impressed with the poor boy that I was looking forward to having another one. And honestly, in retrospect, I wish I had just gotten a seafood platter like Errol did, because then Tom could have had the oysters, I could have had shrimp, which is what I really wanted. And, um, and then we, you know, we could have split that because Tom was ready to go after halfway through his beet salad. So I had to sort of tie him down like I do now these days. The only time I didn't have to do that recently was at Commander's Palace for some inexplicable reason. He was down for the count and just ready to spend the evening there. I guess it's because that's his natural environment, you know? I mean, it, he doesn't do that very much anymore. But um, we had uh, a lot of food, and it was just a really enjoyable evening. Uh, Errol and Peggy were extremely impressed with how lovely it was, and, you know, they just don't, they don't, <laughs> they don't cross the, the lake very much. So they were very happy to have um, discovered that... Um, that we're civilized enough over here. Anyway, it was a fun, fun evening, and we were there till 10 o'clock, which was just amazing. And that sort of, oh, I started to say the oyster poor boy was also good. Um, I've had now the catfish poor boy that Tom had two weeks ago. I've had the oyster poor boy. And next time I may get the shrimp poor boy because it, I just really, really like the poor boy. I, and I, it's all about the bread. I don't know. It seems that people get Leidenheim to, Leidenheimer to bake bread for them. There's a lot of people doing that. Maybe he's doing that. But the bread is extraordinarily good, which I find really hard to find in a poor boy nowadays. So it was, uh, it was good. It was a fun evening. And when I come back after these messages, I will tell you what happened yesterday. Father's Day in the Fitzmaurice house. 556-9696. We'll be back. For you to come in and shop. Care has all the wipes, gloves, and sanitizing supplies that you may need. And face masks. They have a great selection of takeout containers, too. Call Billy to help you plan the renovation of your kitchen or dining room. Home cooks will find a great selection of kitchen tools, too. Hours are 8 to 4 weekdays right now. Buy local. Our city depends on it. Care, hotel, and restaurant supply. Call 482-0294, 4815 Conti Street. The best meals always start with the best ingredients. If you're cooking seafood, the best ingredients are at Mandeville Seafood. All local fish, Louisiana shrimp, oysters, crab, crawfish, wild salmon, and Dungeness crabs, with a little notice, Mandeville Seafood can get anything in the seafood universe you may want to try. And it's crawfish season. Having a boil? Bring your ice chest to Mandeville Seafood. Celebrating 25 years. Night and day, you are the one. Yes, indeed. Tom is doing a little singing this morning, which was very nice, singing along with Frank Sinatra melodious voice of Tom Fitzmorris. I noticed in the almanac today that it was the summer solstice yesterday, which is a celebratory day, but I kind of find depressing 
in an odd way. And the winter solstice, I find the opposite. And that is that the winter solstice means that all of the days will start getting longer after that day. But the summer solstice means that all of the days are going to start getting shorter now as we move toward winter. And, and I don't like that thought. Still, we will enjoy the days that are here. It is summer after all. But I just feel like the little clock is ticking as we get toward the end of daylight savings time and the winter again. I guess I'm one of those people that's um, unnaturally disturbed by rhythms and sunshine. And I mean, I love sunshine. I need sunshine. But um, that's what I think of when I think of the summer solstice. There was a big summer solstice festival at the Southern Hotel over the weekend. We did not go to that one. But we did go, like I said, to rest a while. And then yesterday to Chifunctas. So the two days are sort of tied together. I badly read the room on Sunday when it was time to get ready to go to what was an early reservation at Chifunctas for brunch. Tom was really tired from having been out the night before, and I should not have hustled him uh, to get ready to make that reservation. I should have let him sleep through it, and we would not have had a, quote, situation that we did yesterday. And um, that's about the extent of my explanation, but it was a bad start to Father's Day. And then an hour later, we went to brunch. <laughs> it was just the strangest thing. But uh, we were at brunch at Chifunctas, and I just love the place. I just love the place. I know you know that. I've said it before. But it is just a wonderful feeling to me going into Chifunctas. It's a beautiful place. It's all cool tones, a lot, a lot of windows everywhere looking out on the activity on the river, the sunshine beaming down. It was glorious. I just thought it was a great, pleasant, just 10 out of 10 experience, the vibe of it. And um, I just, I just love the place. I love it, love it, love it. Also love the food, which uh, was much bigger in um, menu, much bigger menu than I remember the last time we went to brunch was, let's see, I think it was around my birthday. So that was like six months ago. And uh, we, we had a great brunch then. But the menu has been refined, and uh, I really like this menu. There are a lot more choices of things. It's a little bit more expensive a menu than I remember, but not, you know, not inordinately so. As a matter of fact, there are what I consider to be some absolute steals on the menu. If something called biscuits and gravy, which is... Um, sausage mushroom gravy on 
Michael's chive cream biscuit. This was, it could have easily been an entree. It was that white gravy that I'm always curious about. And the sausage, I thought, I had sort of an image that it was going to be like sausage in the gravy, but fortunately it was not because that would be unappealing to me. But um, it, was, it was not that. It was what looked like a homemade sausage patty, and I'm sure it was because everything there is made in-house. But it was a thick disc of sausage about maybe an inch high. It was a, a pork breakfast sausage patty sitting on his homemade biscuit, which looked different than the last time I'd had it. It was thinner, like maybe they'd slice it in half or something. And then Michael is really into foraging for mushrooms now. And we're going to have him on the show about that because I think that's kind of a cool thing to forage for mushrooms and to forage for all kinds of things because people who are really into that forage a lot. And I know we have a lot of mushrooms on the North Shore, so I do want to talk to him about that. But I suspect that all of these mushrooms were, and they look like chanterelles, were um, foraged, is my guess. Um, and so it was like a sausage patty on the biscuit and the mushrooms. And we asked for the gravy on the side just because I figured that Mary Lee was probably going to eat some, but she wasn't going to eat that. So we, uh, I poured the gravy on and it was, it was delicious. I mean, I don't, it, this was not the diner, the diner white gravy that you image when you hear that here, because we don't have a lot of that white gravy here. And, um, and so I don't know how many other people do this, but I sort of, you know, snub my nose at it because it's like a diner kind of thing. This was definitely not that. It was a terrific dish. I loved the sausage patty. And that could have been an entree right there. That was $8. I was stunned at the value of that. Absolutely stunned. We started off with um, what looked like a giant donut, but was in fact a cinnamon roll with chocolate filling, chocolate chips on top, and a glaze and it was that's what it looked like it looked like a giant donut this is definitely not my thing this is something that michael brought to the table and said this was a recipe from his family's bakery in savannah he comes from a hundred year old bakery family in savannah georgia and so the breads at chifunctas are killer anyway um he brought that to the table. That's not my thing at all. Uh, it's not Mary Lee's thing, but Tom ate just about half of that thing, and it was large all by himself. But Tom never met a sweet that he didn't like, so that worked for him. We got a lot of stuff, and, um, <laughs> and Mary Lee and I were ready for a few drinks after the morning, so we had bottomless mimosas. And then Tom had about, I'm not kidding, maybe six cappuccino. It was pretty intense how much cappuccino he had. Uh, nobody got a soup. Nobody got a salad. Mary Lee got 
the, um, I think it was brisket over grits. I think that's what it was. I don't really actually see it on, oh, debris and grits. That's what she got, debris and grits, which was a side. And that was $6. And you know what? It was not a lot, but it was enough. It, as a side, I thought it was a, a good price for it. I also went a little bit crazy because if there's a corned beef hash on anybody's menu, I want to get it. And if there's a corned beef hash on Chifuncta's menu, I'm definitely going to get it. So uh, that was one of the entree choices, corned beef hash with eggs. And I, I was looking at that until... I got up to wash my hands and on the way to the bathroom saw this utterly glorious looking dish going by on a plate. It was a thing of beauty uh, of the highest order. And I said, my goodness, what is that? And, and they told me it was the duck confit popover. So I'd had duck confit at Chifuncta's before, and I thought it was delicious. So I changed my order, and I got this popover, which will you'll be able to see on uh, the newsletter coming up because uh, it's I'm going to write the piece about brunch, and it was it was actually to be honest, I didn't really care for it. Uh, I liked pieces of it, like the popover is not a texture that I like. And I, I knew that going in. I knew how I felt about popovers, but it was such an exquisitely beautiful dish that I got it anyway. But if you like popovers, this would be a mind-blowing dish for you. It had, um, it had a demi-gloss that was just perfection. It was... Um, they call it a sherry veal sauce, but it had just a great mouth feel. It was it was so intensely rich. It was it was terrific. So you had the the popover, which looked like a giant pancake, like a could have been like a, a pancake or a tart. It had edges that were elevated, and um, it had an herb cheese filling, topped with this sherry veal sauce, and then the duck confit and mushrooms. And it was, it was just a, a gorgeous dish. I have to say, I, uh, I liked elements of it, like I said. The duck confit was not as confit as I remembered it being the last time. It, could, it looked like it could have been like a smoked duck confit. I don't know. But anyway, uh, it was good. It was fine. The, the duck confit was good. But it was not as good as the last time I had the duck confit there, which was not in that preparation. Tom got the crawfish benedict, which was excellent. It was just what it said. Two crawfish patties with hollandaise and perfectly poached eggs over um, English muffins, and that was also very good. Um, Mary Lee got the burger. She got the burger. And um, the burger at Chifuncta's is weird. It's weird. It's great, but it's weird. And it is, um, it looks, it looks 
really unusual. And and not unusual in an, oh my God kind of way, but but hmm kind of way. But it's it's great. It's really great. It's uh I'm sure probably a homemade bun with seeds. It is a massive thick patty, perfectly cooked. It comes with, of course, house cured bacon. And um it's I don't remember. Oh, I think she got the I think she got the hash browns, which are the the hash browns that I don't think should be called hash browns, the little cubed potatoes that everybody says are hash browns. These were little tiny ones that were made for the corned beef hash, which I loved. And that was it, I think. The corned beef hash dish, I had a little side of corned beef hash. It was like another entree. I know this sounds bad that I've eaten all these entree-sized dishes, but we wanted to try a lot of things. So I got the side of corned beef hash with one sunny egg over it as sort of an appetizer. And yes, I know I already had the sausage appetizer, but, um, you know, we were doing a piece. There's my excuse. Tom didn't really eat too much of his, he wasn't enthusiastically eating the crawfish thing because he'd had half of that donut thing and the sausage thing. So uh, he was pretty full, but he did eat the crawfish and uh, I did finish most of the duck and it was a really terrific, terrific meal. And then we passed on dessert because we just were super full. But then this, this cheesecake went to the next table. And I, I'm, I'm not kidding. I almost sat down again and said, we're going to have the cheesecake. All right, we'll be back. It is 2.30. Time for the Louisiana Radio Network News. Louisiana Radio Network. I'm Brooke Thorrington. Soon to be tropical storm Claudette is expected to make landfall near Terrebonne and Lafouche Parishes during the overnight and cross over the New Orleans area tomorrow morning. National Weather Service meteorologist Ben Schott says areas east of I-55 could see over a half a foot of rain. In that area, you know, six to ten inches of rain will be possible. You know, that could include uh, the city of New Orleans, uh, Slidell, the far uh, southeastern portions of St. Tammany Parish there. The forecast track of the potential tropical storm has been shifting east since the first one was posted by the National Weather Service on Thursday afternoon which has put Louisiana in better shape to handle this storm. But GOSEF spokesperson Mike Steele says residents still need to be prepared. There could be problems with flash flooding and, and other issues. So, you know, we're kind of hoping for the best, but we also have to be prepared depending on what exactly the impact is to the state. LouisianaRadioNetwork.com Did you get the COVID-19 vaccine? Now you can enter to win cash. Four people will win $100,000 with one lucky vaccine recipient winning the grand prize of $1 million. Under 18, you can win one of nine $100,000 college scholarships. So get the vaccine and take your shot at a million dollars. To enter, visit shotatamillion.com or call 855-453-0774. Brought to you by the Louisiana Department of Health. 
I'm Jim Harper, president of the Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation. On our farm in Cheneyville, my brother and I grow sugarcane, soybeans, rice, and crawfish. It's more than a living for us. It's a lifestyle. And the Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation is a grassroots organization that stands together to protect that lifestyle. You depend on agriculture, and we depend on you to join us. Visit LAFarmBureau.org, the Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation, the voice of Louisiana agriculture. The Edwards Mortgage Group, the Mason Collective, NOLA Title Group, and ARC Insurance Consultants are the ones to call on for all of your home needs. Whether it's mortgages, closing, sales, or insurance, they take care of your home needs, and now they've come together to help take care of the needs of our beloved New Orleans music community by partnering with Bougainvillea Productions and Soul Project NOLA for Fridays from the Funky Uncle. Fridays from the Funky Uncle is a free webcast live from the one-of-a-kind Mardi Gras float, the Funky Uncle Lounge, that features New Orleans musicians playing live music combined with interviews and outreach news to raise money for the entertainment community of New Orleans that have been impacted by COVID-19. You can join in the funky fun time by simply going to www.funkyuncle.live every Friday night at 7 p.m. Coming to the Funky Uncle Lounge on June 25th, it's Randy Jackson of Zebra and on June 30th, Tribal Gold. For more information on how you can support Fridays from the Funky Uncle, go to funkyuncle.live. When you're awake, the things you think come from the dreams you dream. Thought has wings, and lots of things are seldom what they seem. Yes, indeed. Very, very true. Thank you, Tom. 5569696 is the number. I'm Mary Ann Fitzmorris here on The Food Show, wanting to talk food with you. Tell me about your Father's Day. If you had a terrific meal, we'd love to hear about it. I also did some experimenting over, oh wait, so I didn't finish saying about this. So we were leaving the room where we were. There are several rooms there. The one that we were in had four tables in it. So I, I love the way the the space is configured at Chifunctas as well. And we seem to get in this room fairly often and I'm crazy about it. So I'm really glad that we sort of seem to be assigned to that room. It is actually through the bar, but I, I love it. So we were leaving, we were leaving, and we stepped aside to let this cheesecake come through. And it was so gorgeous that I really did almost turn around. It was uh, just like a regular looking cheesecake with a, a chocolate cookie crust. It was really high and really fluffy and it was like a head turner a showstopper and mary lee and i both sort of in unison looked at that cheesecake and and almost wanted to turn around we will get that next time around i will save room for that thing anyway it was a fabulous father's day brunch at chifuncta's happy father's day to everyone out there i hope you all had a great day I did some experimenting over the weekend. Actually, today I did. Um, I went to the store and uh, I got some, I went to go for the usual things that I need, you know, dog food and stuff like that. But I remembered all of a sudden, bing, while I was there to get some Jiffy cornbread. So I 
bought the cornbread. I didn't see cornbread. I don't know if the recipe for corn muffins and cornbread are the same, but again, as has been the case for a year and a half now, there was a big, wide open space where formerly there would have been product in what might have been the Jiffy corn bread section. All that was left was Jiffy corn muffin mix. I didn't realize the company was around since 1930, which explains a lot, I guess. Um, I know that in my house of origin in the 50s and 60s, uh, that's what we use. So it had been around for a while before that. Michael 75, and I do hate to admit this, is correct. I think it is the best. I thought it was the best already when he said he thought it was the best. But again, we find ourselves in agreement, which is mildly traumatic for me. Uh, it is good. It, 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 is, it takes the uh, guesswork out of making cornbread. I chopped up some jalapenos and... Uh, and I put it in to the mix, and it's fluffy. It rises properly. Everything you need to make great cornbread is in that little tiny box. And, uh, you know, as Tom likes to say, if it tastes good, it is good. Yes, it's a mix. Uh, yes, it's from the middle of the 20th century, but it is a good cornbread. And it is hard to find a better one out there. I'm racking my brain. I have run across them, but this is good. And what I like about it is it's not, I mean, I do normally like cakey cornbread. Like the one at Pontchartrain Poor Boys is a cakey cornbread and it's good. But this is a light cornbread with cornmeal that is distinctive as you eat it. And, and I think that's what cornbread probably ought to be more than cakey. So it's really good. has a good flavor. It's got a nice yellow color to it. And, um, and I remember it fondly and rightly so. So now that's two things in a week from my youth that I have actually tried and said, you know what? I still really stand by having liked this. So I don't know, maybe I haven't moved that far away from my origins, but that's not true. I definitely, definitely have. I also started the project of the Spam Masubi, but I, I'm only halfway there. I did the Spam. Tom doesn't know it, but he had some Spam for breakfast this morning. You know, it's a very, it's a very, um, disconcerting product by appearance. You know, I know that I know that it's pork and I understand all of those things and one should not turn one's nose up at it because it is mostly a pork product. But when you open the can and it is firmly entrenched in the can, and it comes out as a block of pork product, and it's got that pale pink look to it, it's disconcerting is the word. So I sliced it up, 
and I gave Tom some for breakfast this morning. And um, he was not aware of that because his um, breakfast piles is what I call them. But really, they're they're pretty good. I mean, they're, you know, potatoes, mushrooms, some kind of protein. It's It's different. I won't say every day, but it's different most days. And Tom is nuts about his breakfast. So uh, this morning he had some potatoes and he had some spam in there. And then the remainder of it, well, the dog was very eager to have some slices, so I gave him some. And the remainder of it was uh, the first step in the spam masubi, which is to slice it thin and put a little crust on it, but also... Uh, it, it is sautéed in soy sauce. So I now in the refrigerator have the slices of soy spam masubi, step one. The other two steps are to boil some white rice, toss it in um, rice wine vinegar, and form it in a seaweed leaf and then wrap it with a, a slice of Spam, the mushy rice molded together, and this seaweed. And you don't, you don't completely engulf it. The edges of it are open so that you can see the different layers. So I need to go back to the store now and I need to get that seaweed. And I'm not sure if I have any plain white rice, but I will finish the Spam Masubi project in the next day or so. I also baked the cornbread as step one in the tamale pie project. So the tamale pie is happening today. I went to the store and I got a giant block of Tillamook cheddar, which I think is just about the best, well, I don't know, that's hard to say, of my favorite cheeses out there. I really love the Cabot White Cheddar. I love Maytag Cheddar. And Tillamook Cheddar is really great. And then, of course, there's Beecher Flagship. So those are my favorite cheeses. Anyway, I went to, uh, I was at Walmart, and uh, not Walmart, but Sam's to go get my industrial size of doggy food. And I walked by the big cheese tub section and got a block of Tillamook. So I had that in the refrigerator. I thought, okay, it's, it's tamale pie time. So I've got the ground meat. I've got the cornbread done. I've got the cheddar waiting to be grated. Tamale pie is happening today. So gosh, I'm, I'm busy with all of these little projects, these silly little projects that, that entertain me and may or may not entertain you. They may just annoy you. 5569696, five, six, six, six. but you know what? I live, a, I live a quiet, sheltered life, so I'm entertaining myself with things like Spam Masubi. Back to the almanac. I'll read what Tom has about the summer solstice. He says it occurred yesterday, the longest day of the year. This ought to be a holiday. It's one of the four days with meaning for every living thing on earth. What it means for New Orleanians is that four months of uncomfortably hot, humid weather lie before us. It also means that crab meat prices will be coming down as the quality keeps going up. Let's see about that. 
that snowballs, icy beer, and cold watermelon will taste better and better. And that after the trek of a block or two from where you parked your car, the overcooled environs of Galatoires and Antoines will be very welcome. I think that's absolutely true. Oh, I forgot to mention, we have a guest at three o'clock, and that is Daryl Johnson. He is a caterer for a company. He is the owner of the company. It's called NOLA Creations. I believe they live in Shreveport. I'll have to ask them that. But uh, he is very cute. His whole family is really cute. Uh, he and his wife own NOLA Creations, and they were... Uh, contestants on the great food truck race and were a winner, I'm not sure how many years ago, but currently in, on the Food Network is the um, great food truck race all-stars and they were one of the teams on that new show, crafted of all winners from previous shows. And I, it's funny because Mary Lee has that being taped here. She doesn't live here anymore, but she still has things that are sitting here being taped because she set them up for future. So I noticed that in the list of things that were taped and, you know, every now and then I will turn that on. And so I, I saw that it was up there, but I had not seen it. And then when I got the email on this couple and saw that they were, you know, that they were in this uh, great food truck race rehash, I um, tuned it on just to see, you know, get a little more familiar with them. So we'll talk to them about that. And, uh, I, you know, they probably will not be, be able to answer half of my questions about what it was like, but I'm going to ask them anyway. So Daryl Johnson's coming up at 3 o'clock, and we'll be back after these messages. Right down the highway from the excellent Keith Young Steakhouse is Five Girls. And the food is very good casual fare. Here is a fantastic club sandwich with homemade potato chips, a great Cuban, good salads, and the best red beans and rice we have ever had. Poor boys, hamburgers, and terrific fried seafood. Five Girls, 305 Highway 21 in Madisonville, 985-845-2348. You make me feel so young. I also have uh, something that I ran into and I'm not even sure how I ran into it online, of course. Um, it's, it's a website with a lot of, you know, obscure things in it. And this is about um, your wait time in a restaurant. You know, when you go to a restaurant that's very popular... And you are told that the wait is going to be an hour or 45 minutes. And you think, well, I don't really want to stay around that long. And so you tend to leave. But there's actually, I mean, I guess people have a lot of time on their hands. <laughs> this is not something I would embark upon, but I'm glad someone else did. It is how... Are restaurant wait times assessed? And it's it's actually kind of a formula that's interesting. So this came from someone who tells people what their wait time is all the time. So the 
it's like an average that they do. I'll just I'll just read right out of it. It's it's from a website called Mashed. It's um Odds are you may know this from personal experience. A majority of people will choose not to wait out the wait list if it's going to be over an hour until they can be seated. This is great for you. You are now one step closer, but it doesn't change the fact that you still have at least a 30 to 45 minute wait ahead of you. According to Eat This, Not That, the suggested wait time given to customers may not even be accurate because they are just that suggestions. Many wait times are guesses based on the average customer dining time and the restaurant environment. This is what I say when we try to get into a restaurant and there are a bunch of empty tables there and they're all reserved, but they're reserved for an hour from then or an hour and a half. And I go, you know what? I am, you can turn that table and put an extra person in there because we are not going to be there that long. We are not going to linger over drinks. We are going to be here to eat and we will be gone before that reservation ever shows up. And sometimes that argument works and sometimes it doesn't. But uh, it is a fact. We are not going to be there that long. Watch the dog, Tom. Dog, dog, dog. Dog, dog. We just have to do these things on the air sometimes because I don't have anyone. I don't have anyone to do that for me. Uh, anyway, um, no, Tom, I'd like you just to walk over here, babe. Just come on over this, this way. Nope, nope, that's the dog. Uh, okay, so... And so now we have the dog running from Tom and Tom both coming in my direction. Okay, he's not going out, Tom. All right, so the way this is averaged, all right, there are ways you can beat the long wait. The first, uh, most obvious one is to make a reservation. That's absolutely true. Uh, but here's how it's figured. Sometimes restaurant Wait times can be part fib, part truth, but it's important to remember that a majority of the time, a host is giving you an estimated guest. Per a survey conducted by Long Range Systems, the average wait time for a party is 23 minutes. But has any host ever said it's going to be 23 minutes? Hosts are told to, told to follow this template. The first party gets a five-minute wait. The next four parties get a 10-minute wait. And for every five parties that go on the list, the wait time increases by five minutes. If there are over five people in your party, your wait is immediately increased by 10 minutes. Obviously, you make a reservation, you can beat that. But you can also try searching a table a few days before your preferred date and to see if they could be booked. You know, there are restaurants that are now doing a virtual list, which I think is a great idea. In California, you see this a lot. They'll, you can get your name on a wait list by calling or by going online and you're, you're on the list, which I think is a great idea. We have been known to go put our name on a list and then go someplace if it's going to be a really long list. Very often, though, you get called long before you think because I don't know about your experience, but I don't know that I've ever had a wait in a restaurant that was longer than what I was told. Usually it's about half of what you're told.
Has anybody else had an experience that's different from that? Do you find that you are told pretty scary wait times only to have them be half that much? Or if you have had a longer wait time than you were told, I would love to hear about it. 5569696. Do you generally speaking leave and I don't mean leave to come back, but just leave if a wait time is going to be too long. And what is the point that you say that's too long? There was this place in Atlanta. I'm trying to think of the name of it, but it was during, oh, I know what it was. It was during the time that the Super Bowl, the Saints were in the Super Bowl, and they were in the playoffs, and we went to this, I, I, I want to say it's called Taco something. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? There is a sports bar in Atlanta, and you can, <laughs> you can spend the whole day there if you want. And the wait time at that place at that time was two to three hours. And there were actually people waiting for tables that long because you didn't have to leave. You could stay the entire day. You could just decamp there. As long as you were drinking beer, you could stay there the entire day. That's what people did. And that's why the wait was so absurd. But I guess if you're, I guess if you're drinking... You know, they're making money off of you. I know yesterday we spent $50 on beverages alone. And that's because we got bottomless mimosas and each of us only drank, I think we drank two. I think I might not even have drunk two. But um, that was, you know, that's that was not a value for us. And that's how restaurants make money. I think if restaurants didn't make a lot of money on people drinking, then the prices would be a lot higher. So this was an unusual occurrence for us because we are not drinkers and our, our bill in a restaurant is always strictly food. So when we started drinking, that changed a lot. So that's where the money is made in restaurants. And um, I guess if you want to sit and drink all day at a restaurant, then it makes it worth it for them. I don't know. Anyway, I thought that was interesting as to how these things are calculated because, as I've said many times before, we spend a lot of time in restaurants and don't, generally speaking, wait too long for tables because I don't know, I don't know where... Like I said, rest a while was probably the single one where we expected a really long wait. But you know, you you make a play, you make a reservation at a place like Chifuncta's. So I don't know what the wait would be. I don't know that they have waits because everybody makes a reservation. But we don't go to many places where you're just going to wait. Although chimes, when we do go to chimes, and I, I admit we do go to chimes, but when we go to chimes, sometimes the wait there can be as long as an hour. And then we don't wait because chimes, chimes, <laughs> I'm sorry, chimes is not worth waiting for. So we, we don't wait. 
but a lot of people do. And, uh, and that's probably the only place that I can think of where you're going to see a weight like that. But it is interesting to see how those wait times are calculated. And I don't know if they're really accurate, but you know, I guess if someone is investing the time in figuring that out, then their findings are worth at least noting. Now, I, I will say this. The bulk of the website that I just took that off of is mostly about fast food, of which there are some interesting little pieces as well. But, you know, this is not a, a show about fast food. It is, it is more of a show about fast food than it ever has been, I'll grant you that, but we certainly don't want to make that sort of the focus of the show. Today is also allegedly National Peaches and Cream Day. And Tom says, as popular as that saying is, when's the last time you ever had that combination? And Tom said he doesn't think he ever has, but that was before our dinner at Commander's last week because he did, in fact, have peaches and cream. And it was, um, well, I don't know, he might have liked it a lot more than I did. It was very fruity and very tart and a little bit custardy, but, um, you know, not my thing. Probably had some spice in it, too, because that's the kind of thing that you would cut, I guess, all that sweetness with. Tom says he likes nectarines with Torrencino ice cream from Bricados. You know, I am not a big fan of old-fashioned Italian emporiums like Bricados. Um, I guess I would say except maybe in Italy because you're in Italy, but it's not a go-to for me. And I really do, though, like the Torrencino ice cream there. Tom is a huge fan of the Spumoni, which is, as you know, three different ice creams melded together in one long uh, triangle. And one of them is pistachio, the other, I was told, is cherry and not, not strawberry. If somebody knows that, call me, 5569696. But the middle one is Torrencino, which is uh, ground almonds in like a buttery, it's kind of like a butter pecan only with ground almonds. And if I'm wrong about that, call me also. I think that's what it is. I do like butter pecan ice cream, though. Five five six nine six nine six is the number. If you want to talk to me, I'm here. I'm Marianne Fitzmorris. I'd love to talk to you. We've been talking about food for 33 years. Not me, Tom, but uh, I am. I am following in his footsteps. Although that's those are very big footsteps. Very big footsteps indeed. Uh, Tom has something in here about Halifax, Nova Scotia. <laughs> If you've been listening to the show uh, in the last maybe five years, the words Halifax and halibut, for some inexplicable reason, have provided many light moments on the show. I wish I could explain this, but I can't. But it started in Halifax and I don't even know if Tom's ever had halibut 
in Halifax. But those two things, I guess because of the Halla part, are forever intertwined. And it became a shtick for the last, I guess, five years. And uh, you're probably chuckling if you have heard this shtick. It's the most ridiculous shtick, but, you know, some of them are. Anyway, uh, interestingly enough, in Tom's dissertation here about Halifax, which was founded today in 1749, there is no mention of halibut. I don't understand how that is. This must have been written before the five-year mark. It's 3 o'clock. Time for the Louisiana Radio Network News. We'll be back. It is WGSO New Orleans. Although tropical storm warnings will be in effect, we have rains that will be the main threat from this feature. Possibility, too, along the coast of an isolated tornado from southeast Louisiana eastward to the Florida Panhandle. Where what will be Claudette making landfall across southeast Louisiana will rise to the north and east. By tomorrow, just an occasional shower or thunderstorm gets the break for the rains occur. And then a passing squall or two with a partly cloudy Sunday. 80s today, 70s to 80 tonight, 86 tomorrow, 88 for the afternoon Sunday. Thinking about retirement? Make sure a My Social Security account is a part of your plan. A My Social Security account gives you secure access to your personal earnings history and benefit status. You can find out if you're eligible to receive benefits, compare retirement benefit estimates at different ages or dates, view spousal benefit estimates, and more. Plan for your future. Open a My Social Security account at ssa.gov slash myaccount. Social Security. Securing today and tomorrow. Ralph Sanji, WGSO. Many years, Extendivite has been helping people. Here is a testimonial from Amazon.com. Glad I found this product. I am 51 years old and started getting headaches a couple of times a week. I went to the doctor and my blood pressure was a little high at around 150 over 95. I found out about Extendivite and I ordered some to try it. Immediately I felt better and it lowered my blood pressure and my headaches went away almost instant. I have been taking it now for about four months and I am so glad I found this product. You won't be disappointed. Extendivite is only $69.95 for a two-month supply. To order, call 1-877-928-8822 or visit heartdrop.com. That's H-E-A-R-T-D-R-O-P.com. Extend your life with Large groups of illegal immigrants and asylum seekers continue to arrive at the U.S.-Mexico border, creating issues for local residents and border agents. National Border Patrol Council Vice President Art Del Cueto addresses some of the misconceptions Americans have regarding the recent immigration surge on Fox Business. People have this false sense that the drugs that come in, the individuals that are coming in illegally, they're staying on our southern border, and they're not. They're affecting everyone throughout the country. They're affecting your school system. They're affecting, you know, the medicals. It's, there's so many things, uh, domino effects, that are created because of that. Major League Baseball pitchers now must undergo a check to make sure they're not doctoring baseballs. The MLB's crackdown starts Monday and includes the possibility of fines and suspensions. If a player refuses an inspection, they could be ejected. The rule comes in an effort to potentially curtail pitchers' dominance this season. USA Radio News. 
Now you can fly anywhere in the world and pay discount prices on your airline tickets. Book a flight today to London, Paris, Madrid, or anywhere else you want to go. And pay a lot less guaranteed. Call the International Travel Department right now at low-cost airlines. 800-215-5141. 800-215-5141. That's 800-215-5141. The former FDA director has a dire warning regarding COVID-19 and a new variant. The Delta variant of the coronavirus now accounts for about 10% of new cases in the United States after the strain first identified in India became the dominant strain in the UK. The more transmissible strain is already causing hotspots of infections in rural parts of Missouri and Kansas. Former FDA Commissioner Dr. Scott Gottlieb tells CBS's Face the Nation that forecasters expect Delta to lead to a surge in cases in the fall. They are predicting that in a scenario where we only get to about 75% of the eligible population vaccinated and have a 60% more transmissible variant, which this new Delta variant may be 60% more transmissible than 117, they do show an upsurge of infection and reaching a peak of around 20% of the infection that we reached last winter. So about 20%. Um, of the peak in January, we will hit in in the fall at some point. I think that's probably an aggressive estimate. I don't think it'll be quite that dire. But when you do look at those estimates, you see it varies widely between states. From the USA Radio News Ohio Bureau, I'm Dan Naraki. Some Americans say the pandemic prompted them to make smarter decisions when it comes to their money. Northwestern Mutual's Planning and Progress Survey says 32% of Americans buckled down financially. Nearly one in five adults say they had no financial plan prior to the pandemic. However, more than 80% say they created one or made changes to it. For USA Radio News, I'm Tim Berg. Daryl Johnson on the line, do we? We do. Is Daryl Johnson? Hello. I'm here. Uh, yeah, hey, hey Daryl. I'm Marianne Fitzmorris, and we you are on the Food Show. I don't know if you've heard of the Food Show. It's been around for about 33 years. My husband has done it for 33 years. I'm picking up the baton now. Um, you live in Shreveport, though, don't you? That is correct. That is correct. I'm, you do. I'm a native New Orleans, you know, born and raised okay. in New Orleans. Okay. So, but first of all, let me tell you, your family is adorable. I, I uh, love the picture on the great food truck race of your family. And I don't know, how much are you allowed to talk about your food uh, truck race experience? I can talk a lot. Um, I'm, I've already been eliminated from the All-Stars. So I can talk yes. up to the point where that limit has already aired. And I can talk in depth about the previous season when I won as well. Okay. So what season was that? Season 10. Season 10. Gosh, that show is that old. Mm-hmm. Oh, my goodness. How many years have they mm-hmm. done it? Um, this is the 14th season. So um, oh, it was started goodness. in 2009. In 2009 oh, wow. it started. Okay. All right. So your wife is your partner. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. 
Now you, there was a picture, a brief picture of your family, but they looked like they were all young, so they're not involved in it at all, right? The kids, do they? Um, no, my they age pretty well. My oldest son is twenty-four. My next son oh. is nineteen. Oh, okay. Um, and the um, we have a thirteen-year-old, a ten-year-old, and a seven-year-old. Oh, they're all working age, except for the seven-year-old. Yep. But I mean, do they work with you in the business at all, especially the older ones? Yes, they. Yes, they, they do. do. All of them okay. do. My, my little girl, she wants to be a chef, so she's uh, you know, the youngest, but she's also at the stove cooking. Um, the older two boys work more hands-on, and my middle, my youngest son, he wants to be a chef also, so he works from time to time. He's 13 now. Okay. But they stayed home while you were doing the food truck race, both of them, I guess, both food truck races. Yeah. They, the kids were home. Okay. Uh -huh. So you have a business in Shri – first of all, how did you – when did you leave New Orleans, and why did you leave New Orleans? Uh, we left in 2005. That's, that's a Hurricane Katrina. Katrina, um, okay. And like most, yeah, and like most, we moved around, you know. So we okay. moved around and ended up in Shreveport. Uh huh. Okay. And so, did you start the business Nola Creations uh, immediately, or were you working as a chef up there until you started? So I originally had a small restaurant um, right off Magazine, New Orleans, right when the storm happened. Um, it was just getting started. Um, so uh -huh. then it was called Crescent City Bistro. Mm -hmm. um, and then I moved when I, I moved around um, Memphis, Florida, Dallas, um, and I started my next restaurant in 2015 in Shreveport, in the Shreveport 2015, that was Crescent City Bistro. Okay. Uh -huh. And was it pretty much the same kind of food, I guess, that you serve on at NOLA Creations, which is a catering company, right? No, NOLA Creations is a food truck and a full-service food service company. Um, oh, okay. So we, have, we, we have three trucks now. We have the NOLA Creations okay. truck, which you see on the great food truck race. We have uh -huh. a cheese truck called the cheesiest truck ever. And we have a wing truck called that wing truck. Um, <laughs> and we do food service. We do um, uh, different, like, YMCA camps. Um, uh, assistant living facilities. Um, we are a full service company. Okay, so you do. So you have you do like institutional settings, um, uh -huh. and and is that for one particular? So what do you pull up the truck at these places, or do you supply the food for these places? Um, I supply the food for these places. So example, like right now, I'm I'm at a site for YMCA where they have a kitchen. And I contact my purveyors, they supply the food, I bring my staff in, and we service their, their clientele. You know, right now mm -hmm. it's about 500 kids. Um, uh -huh. So we oh, do wow. that. We do assisted living facilities where we go in and we, you know, take over the kitchen part of it. Um, uh -huh. Where, you know, we, we do specific meals, dietary options, um, those uh -huh. things for the assisted living on a higher scale. You know, so mm -hmm. we do really good food like lobster and steak for the, uh, for the assisted living as well as like hamburger steaks, and we kind of mix it up a little bit. Mm -hmm. Well, they probably, <laughs> if you're doing like an assisted living uh, place, they probably want to ride herd on those spicy, uh, the really good stuff, the really delicious New Orleans kind of stuff, huh? Absolutely. I mean, that's what I'm known for. I think I'm one of the best Creole and Cajun chefs in the world, you know, so I mean, well, I kind of stick to my roots. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I saw that. Okay, so I liked what you were serving on the great food truck race. The um, you had what was it? Was it jambalaya um, egg rolls? Jambalaya was that egg one? rolls. Yeah, yes. yeah. But those um, look good. What else did you serve on the food truck? So we did etouffee. We did um, mm -hmm. we did uh, of course red beans and rice. We did uh, mm -hmm. wonderful beignets. 
Um, mm-hmm. we, uh, we, we improvised. We did something we call a NOLA bread where we took the tops of the bread. It was a bread bowl challenge where we had to put something in the bread bowl um, and sell it, and then we were running low on food. So we took the tops of the bread, rolled them out, deep fried them, battered them in uh, uh, brown sugar and then topped with polished sugar and white chocolate sauce, and sold it called NOLA bread. So we improvised a lot. <laughs> um, we had a Cajun pasta, you know, so mm-hmm. we, we, we did a lot. We made it happen. Was it was it a fun experience? I'm sure it was difficult to be away from your kids. How long were you away from them? So the first time in season ten, we were gone for eight weeks, um, and that mm-hmm. was that was the first time both my wife and I were away from the kids. It was mm-hmm. hard, man. It yeah. was really really hard, um, and that was two years ago. So my my youngest was five, yeah. you know. So mm-hmm. it was very difficult. Um, uh, mm-hmm. And then this time we were only gone about three weeks, so it was a little bit easier this time. You know, mm-hmm. they're used to mommy and daddy traveling now, so they're, they're kind of used to it now. Do you do a lot of traveling? I mean, have you done anything else with Food Network? Or, I mean, I'm, I'm, it really increases your profile. So what's, what's happened as a result of your exposure on the Food Network? Um, I am, uh, right now I'm in Pennsylvania. You know, I'm in Pennsylvania. Um, I do a lot of stuff out of town. It really expanded my brand, um, mm-hmm. expanded my brand to do more of what I've already done. Um, Food Network kind of validates you, right? It kind of gives you that platform and people say, okay, well, we can trust that guy. He he is who we say he is. So Mm -hmm. my food service program has just exploded. Like I said, I'm in Mm -hmm. Pennsylvania now. I was in New York last week. Um, I'll be in in, uh, Ohio coming up soon. And and we become, I become a national chef and we become a national brand. You know, so even some, some aspect international, you know, so I mean, I have people, I have a cookbook. And I have people all over the world who have bought my cookbook, you know, so it really put me on an international platform. Fantastic. Tell us about your cookbook. So the cookbook is entitled NOLA Creations, you know, my company's name and namesake. Um, and I've also been on Cut Your Kitchen 2015. So this book has some of the recipes from Cut Your Kitchen and the recipes from season 10 of the Great Food Truck Race and some of my great-grandmother's secret recipes. So all wrapped in one book. I dedicated the book to her, um, and she's a Creole lady, born and raised in New Orleans. Um, so I dedicated the book to her. Um, and I also do a little bit of, of homage back to my roots. Um, you know, I worked at Commander's Palace, Galatoire's, Antoine's, you know, so did a whole New Orleans gambit. So um, I kind of put some of those recipes in that book as well. So how would a person get the book? We're, we're, uh, we're not nearly finished this interview, but that's normally how we end it. But I am going to go to commercial, so let me give you two chances to promote the book. So how would a person get the book? Go to our website, www.nola-creations.com. That's nola-creations.com. You can order it there. And we also wrote another cookbook called The Cajun Vegan. All vegan recipes, all the Cajun style. That'll be on the website in about two weeks. Cajun vegan. Now there's an oxymoronic mm. phrase, I think. The idea <laughs> of doing <laughs> Cajun food as vegan. How does one do that? It's really um, not as hard as, as you make it as people think. Um, and for me, I was 360 pounds at one, at one point. Mm. That changed my whole lifestyle. On the show in the last season of the Great Future Race, the All-Stars, I was about 260 or so. Um, oh, right wow. now I'm, I'm 225. Yeah, 225. <gasps> so you, you know, are so, a vegan? Uh, you are a vegan. I'm, I'm a flexitarian. So <laughs> I, I kind of just move how I need to move. But um, uh-huh. I make sure my food is, is balanced. Um, uh-huh. And I also have a, a seasonal line on my website. We have three spices, Creole, Cajun, and lemon pepper, all low sodium. 
You know, so okay. um, I changed my lifestyle, worked out a, a great deal. Um, I'm in pretty good shape, and I can still eat quality food because I've adapted to understanding what food is, how the body breaks food down as an individual, and how to make it still taste good. Uh-huh. Well, obviously. Now, let me ask you this. So if a person wanted to get some of your seasonings, are they on the shelf, or do they have to order through your website? Order through the website. We are working with Walmart right now to get on the uh, the marketplace online and mm-hmm. a couple of local stores. They are, we do have them in stores locally in Shreveport, Louisiana, and we're expanding. You know, based mm-hmm. off me being on the show, I'm getting more and more contacts uh, from mm-hmm. other companies who yeah. say, hey, we want you to be a spokesperson and want you to kind of do oh, this. Oh, great. Um, so, again, that is really putting me on a different platform. Um, yeah. So, it hopefully, it will be available uh, uh, at least in the South pretty soon, all throughout the South. Okay, and what's the name of this? the line again? NOLA Creations, I guess? It's called, yep, NOLA Creations. Yep, and we okay. have three three types. We have a blackening season, we have uh-huh. a Creole season, and we have a seafood season. Okay. All right, we are going to take a break. We are talking to Daryl Johnson, who you may know from the great food truck race. He is based in Shreveport, Louisiana, but a native New Orleanian and the owner of NOLA Creations. So we'll be back with him after these messages. Basil's Ace Hardware has been the center for your grilling needs for over 15 years. That's when I first got my big green egg, which I use more than ever lately. Fred also has Traeger grills and Weber grills and all the accessories for them. Charcoal and pellets and propane, as well as rubs and grilling utensils. Remember, a great cookout always begins with the right hardware. Basil's Ace Hardware, 4419 Transcontinental Metairie, 888-8588. Have you ever eaten something new and wondered where it had been all your life? We thought that about Double D Sausage after having it at a friend's house. But restaurants all over town serve it in their gumbo, red beans, and jambalaya. It's made right in Bogalusa, and the company is in its third generation. Double D Sausage is a light smoke pure pork sausage with notes of sage and other spices. Try the regular mild and hot and new flavors like the Cajun variety and jalapeno and cheddar. Double D sausage in stores all over town. Mandeville Seafood has been a local favorite, serving their house-made roast beef poor boys, seafood poor boys, and even a French fry poor boy in a fast, casual environment. Here is an extensive menu of salads and sandwiches and fried seafood, baskets and platters, as well as sides like stuffed artichokes, meat pies, and jalapeno cheese bites, and we love the very attentive service here at Mandeville Seafood Restaurant and Market, celebrating 25 years. I get misty just holding your hand. Thank you, Tom. That's my husband's melodious voice, Daryl. He does he does the bumpers for the show. We are talking to okay. Daryl okay. Johnson, who you may have seen on the Food Network recently. So once you get into the Food Network pipeline, it seems like you can just sort of move from show to show. Is that true, or is that is that just an uh, an, an image that some people may have? It depends if you're good at it, right? Because there are some people who get into the pipeline and who don't do well. Um, there are a lot of people that can mm-hmm. cook. There are people that can talk, mm-hmm. but can you talk and cook at the same time? <laughs> um, I think that's one of the biggest things that people don't realize. Like, the cameras are there. You know, and a lot of people uh-huh. can really create some beautiful dishes but can't explain why uh-huh. they're doing it. Um, so I right. think that uh, having that combination of both 
does that. Um, and I, I made some really good relationships on Food Network. Like, Tyler and Sorensen and I are, like, friends in real life. Like, we talk and text and call. Um, you know, a lot of producers, you know, they really respect who I am and what I've done. Um, so whenever there's something come up, I get a direct phone call and say, hey, hey, chef, are you interested? And I can decide, you know, yeah or nay. Uh-huh. So did they come to you originally or did you come to them? How did it how did it happen that you wound up on the first competition for the great food truck race? Funny story. So um I was really, really, really sick. Um and I was in a hospital and uh, my career was in limbo. We were living in Atlanta at the time, right? This is twenty eighteen, maybe nineteen. Um and I, I was by like about three sixty, three seventy and diabetic, type of diabetes, blood pressure skyrocketed, and I was hospitalized about seven days. And in between that time, my wife applied for me to be on a great food truck race season 10. Um, and I had done Culture Kitchen years prior to, and I was in limbo, state of depression, you know, the whole shebang. I was really in a bad position. Um, and I came home, not knowing my wife, I did it. And uh, I sat down at the kitchen table to take, I had like 10 different kind of medicines I had to take. And I'm sitting at the kitchen table about a pop open this medicine box or whatever, and my cell phone rings. And uh, I said, hello, Chef Daryl Johnson. Hey, this is such and such from Food Network. I'm like, yeah, okay, click. <laughs> I didn't believe it. I wasn't in the mind. Wait, you, hung, you, didn't, you didn't really hang up. You're joking, right? I really, I really hung up on a producer. <gasps> I really hung up. Oh, you're talking oh phone my click. You know, I, again, I was, in, I was in a bad mental state, <laughs> um, a bad state, you know, and I, didn't, oh, I no. just thought it was a, a prank. You know, uh-huh. um, and uh-huh. then I told my wife, somebody keep playing the phone Food Network. And she said, dummy, I applied for a show. That's the real them. I said, oh, shoot. All right. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, so <laughs> uh, they finally called back and I apologized and let them know what's going on. Um, and uh, then they said, okay, well, hey, we think you'd be a good fit. We just want to talk to you. So the producer talked to me for a second. And it's so funny. Yeah, I mean, it was it was like like it was written on the wall. She said, man, after talking to you and she had casted everybody. And she had done all the casting calls. Um, she said, after talking to you, like, you're my favorite. I think you can have a, a really good shout-out going all the way. I'm like, yeah, okay, whatever, <laughs> you know. Um, and one thing led to another. We got there. It was a great show, great experience, and we won. Um, and because we won, that's when they, they called me back and said, hey, uh, Chef, are you and your team interested in doing the All-Star Edition now? You're a fan favorite. Um, the fans want to see you back on, so all you guys are interested. So, so the first time I applied, or my wife applied, rather, the second time they called me. Mm-hmm. Okay, so what was the time frame from the time that you um, were picked for the show uh, before you actually went and did it? And what, you know, get, dish, tell us some behind-the-scenes kinds of things that you can tell us. Oh, man. Uh, so one of the things that's really, really big is the amount of people that it takes to put this show on. Like, I did cut through a kitchen, and it was in studio. The cameras were, you know, mm-hmm. um, mechanical and motorized, so it wasn't a whole lot of big production. The Great Food Truck Race is a huge production. I mean, huge. You mm-hmm. know, um, it's, it's, I mean, it's, it's at least 150 people, maybe 200 people as the first week, man. It's everybody has the camera guys, production guys, the, the production assistants. It's, it's the photographers. It's, it's everybody. You know, Tyler mm-hmm. has his whole little crew of makeup and hair and stuff. And mm-hmm. it's, that's one of the things you don't see, how many people it takes to really put this show on. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And from the time um, they called me the first time, the time they called me, it was more or less February. Um, and we started filming in April. So probably oh. uh, two months turnaround. Quick. Oh, yeah. quick! Wow. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. So you had to, you had to, 
you had to, I guess, settle up things with your business before you headed off for that. Your wife was with you, right? So you had to make yeah. childcare arrangements and all that, huh? Yeah. So originally it was going to be myself, my wife, and my oldest son. He was 22 mm -hmm. at the time, I think. Yeah, 22. And he backed out. He said, I don't want to do it. He just got a girlfriend. They moved in together. Like, I got oh, a job. Yeah. I'm not going. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> that's how my new sous chef, Terrell, came into play. He was my sous chef in real life. I'm like, hey, we're going to do this show. You ready? He's like, mm -hmm. yeah, I'll come. And I guess he didn't believe me. So, you know, when they finally called him, he called me, hey, chef, hey, chef, Food Network called me. I'm like, yeah, I told you that. <laughs> and he was so excited. Um, and I had, he had only worked with me for a month, you know. So, oh, wow. Uh, then he oh, came great opportunity. And, yeah. Wow. Right, right. So when we did it, and uh, my wife's godmother came and watched the kids for uh, eight weeks uh, first time. Wow. And this last time, my sister. My, this last time, my sister, shout out to Tawari Johnson, my sister came and watched the kids for about three weeks this time. Oh, okay. So is, I, I didn't notice who was on the All-Star. Was it, was it Terrell? Was he still with you? Yes. Did, we were did the second the team with our original cast members. Oh, I see. Okay. Okay. So all the original cast members had to be. Okay. So what's it like? Is it, uh, are the contestants friends off the air or like, you know, I, I'm, I'm curious. It's a, it's a big competition and, and what's the, mm -hmm. how competitive is it off the air? So I'll give you two perspectives, right? I'll start with the season 10, right? Initially, um, I was like the target because, because I had experience. People had Googled me who was on the show, um, they saw I did, you know, previous shows. They saw I had restaurants. They saw who I worked under and worked for. Um, so I was the target at first. But as the time went on, we we felt we built a bond that's lasted for the old, for two years now. Um, mm. I still talk to every cast member from season ten. Some mm. some of them on a daily basis. You know, oh, so um, nice. it transformed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and I, we even helped each other. Like, there were times when they were struggling with their menu items. And, of course, it's competition. I get it. Um, but I'm going to be a good person regardless. I'll make sure that mm -hmm. I give out good energy and I, I reciprocate. So there were times when I would actually help the competitors with their menu items. And that built trust also. Um, mm -hmm. And going forward to season 14, the All-Stars, I was in shock. I'm a fan of the show. I have always been. And to be next to these people who I looked up to and idolized, um, like Aloha Plate or Waffle Love mm -hmm. and those great mm -hmm. competitors that made me want to be on the show in the first place, you know, they're superstars in my eyes, you know, so mm -hmm. I was just, you know, in shock and we've all developed a friendship too. You know, we've come to mm -hmm. a point where we still talk now. You know, we're going to go to Hawaii, my wife and I, and hang, hang on Aloha Plate. You know, we're going to go down oh, to, nice. to L.A. and hang with the lime truck. So we, we're all really cool. To me, it's not cutthroat. It's not one of those things mm -hmm. where it's backstabbing and, and you know, we talk a little stuff. You know, it's friendly competition. Yeah, sure. You know, no one wants to be, you know, but... Well, it's we TV. It's part, of the, and, it's part of the act, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, and so I guess, uh, I guess Tyler is as nice a guy as he looks to be on the air. He is. Like I said, Tyler and I are friends in real life. Like, we really talk. We really communicate. He has taken a liking to me, and I see him as my mentor. Um, and uh, mm -hmm. he, he's a guy that's done it for a long time. He's one of the recognizable yeah. best chefs on the planet for years. And for someone of that caliber to really uh, vouch for me and put a stamp of approval on me means a lot. He did an interview yeah. with uh, Lilani 
Maloha played on on Instagram yesterday, and I jumped on Instagram to see, you know, pay my respect and say hi. Both Lalani and Tyler both said I had the best food of anybody on the uh the All Star season, and that that meant a oh. lot. That meant a whole lot. Yeah. Well, I mean, look, it's New Orleans food. I mean, it's it's good. <laughs> Absolutely. We we know how to eat. There's no two ways about it. But I'm most impressed that you that you're you're tailoring it to being a vegan and have lost 100 pounds. Congratulations to you. That's quite quite impressive, considering how tempting the food is that you are around all the time. You know, really good. Absolutely. Good. Thank you. All right. So I'm gonna I'm gonna let you. Promote your book again and your seasoning so that people can, if they missed it the first time, they'll know how to get your book and your seasonings. Absolutely. So you go to our website, www.nola-creations.com. Our cookbook is there, Nola Creations. Our new cookbook, The Cajun Vegan, will be up in about two weeks. Um, You can look at our season line there. We also have T-shirts, hats, aprons. Um, and we will be in New Orleans with our food truck in August. The day that we up in the air, but we will come to New Orleans in August with our food truck. No creation. We parked out there. We're going to have a great time. When are you coming in August, and is it for a particular event? What are you doing? So we are going to come probably in the middle of August. Um, and we don't have an event yet. We're still looking at actual dates. Um, I know we have a couple of events that we're going to travel a lot this year. And that's something else that happened after the show. We have, we're in such a high demand. So we are traveling the country, going to Houston and Dallas, of course, being in oh. Miami, Ohio, Florida, uh, South Carolina. You know, So we may even go as far as Arizona. So we'll be on the road a lot from, from, from August ah. all the way around through probably next summer. So we'll be, we'll be traveling. So it's basically you're just traveling as a promotional tour for your business based on your food truck, based on your food network exposure. So I guess you, you promote it through Instagram or what? So our Instagram is Nola Creations 504. Um, that be promoted, and we'll connect with local media. Uh, we'll be giving you a call yeah. when you come to town. Uh, we'll Please connect with do. local media and, and, and make it a try to make it a big deal because we may even have other trucks who want to race with us come as well. So um, oh, we want to make it a really fun thing, a really great event, and uh, you know, do a, do do it for our city. You know, we haven't been to New Orleans in a while. The last time we were there, we did a commercial with uh, Big Freed and Juan Lafonso. That's the last time we were in New Orleans. So that was a couple, about a, about two years ago. So we're okay. ready to come back. Okay. Well, we will be excited to see you. Please make sure your PR people let us know when you're coming so we can go out there and see you. Thank you very much, Daryl Johnson. I appreciate it. All right. Take care. Thank you. Have a great day. All right. right. That is Daryl Johnson. You may be familiar with him from the Great Food Truck Race. If not, you should watch the Great Food Truck Race. They're a very cute family and uh, apparently are doing very, very well with their newfound fame. And uh, we look forward to seeing them when they are in New Orleans. And we will be back after the bottom of the hour news from the Louisiana Radio Network. It's 3.30. If you want to talk to me, 556-9696. I'd love to talk to you. We'll be back. Louisiana Radio Network. I'm Matt Doyle. A legislative auditor's audit finds the Louisiana Workforce Commission paid out just over a million dollars in unemployment benefits to dead Louisianans since March of 2020. Workforce Commission Secretary Ava Cates says considering that's just a tiny fraction of the $8.5 billion they paid out during this historic period, the department did a good job. 
you add up the auditor, it's going through a number of our processes and what we did in response to COVID. Again, something that we had no precedence, no business rules for. We are still in the 99% ratio. And a side-by-side crash in Webster Parish claims the life of an 11-year-old boy and injures a 14-year-old girl who was driving the vehicle. Trooper Jonathan Odom says the 14-year-old was driving a 2011 Polaris UTV northbound of Grant Circle when the tragic crash occurred. As she made a turn, she uh, lost control of the vehicle, which caused it to overturn. You know, fortunately, the uh, 11-year-old was uh, ejected from the vehicle. LRN. Hi, can I help you? Hi, yes, I'm looking for a lottery game that is fast and uh, easy to play. Well, I think we have just a thing for you. It's called... Whoa, that was unexpected. What were you saying? I was saying there's a new game coming soon called... And it's coming June 28th. Whoa, what in the world? <sighs> I, I missed that name. What was it again? He said it's called... And it's coming June 28th. It's going to be an int. Games where you can win up to dollars. Yeah, it is simple. Starting June 28th, just pick your game, ask for your ticket, see if you won. It's just that fast. Uh, what is? Play a new instant way to win from the lottery. Striking June 28th at a retailer near you. Must be at least 21 to purchase. Over the last 75 years, New Orleans has gone through many changes, and so has WGSO. From our early beginnings in 1946, broadcasting from the Jung Hotel, being home to Papa Stapa in the 1950s, being a music station, talking biz radio to speak in easy New Orleans style, you, our loyal listeners, have been here every step of the way with WGSO. It's now our 75th anniversary, and we are so proud to have you here with us to celebrate. So we're going to celebrate all year long to show our gratitude to you and make 2021 our most successful year yet. And we will also continue to bring programs that appeal to people of all backgrounds. So from all of us at WGSO, we want to say thank you for making us the community voice of the Crescent City. I won't dance, don't ask me. I won't dance, don't ask me. I won't dance, madame, with you. Yes, indeed. Thank you, Tom. Five five six nine six nine six. We have half an hour left of the show, and I've brought Tom in here, and I hope that he remembers this. I'll be very sad if he doesn't. But, Tom, do you know what is in the almanac today? You want to Halifax. It? The phallics. Halifax. The Halifax in Halifax, <laughs> where you go if you want to get a hal and maybe bash it up and conclude it with the halibut. Elephant uh, fish again. Your halibut and Halifax. You know, Tom, I don't Halifant think. Sex. I don't think that this uh, almanac was written in the time period when you were obsessing about your Halifax halibut thing. But today in 1749, Halifax, your favorite place, was founded in Nova Scotia. It was established by the British, who in the ensuing years would force the existing French Acadian population in the area to either give up yep. Catholicism it or was, move. I, I know exactly what it is. Do you know what it is? The Acadians? 
the Acadians, mm-hmm. the, this, uh, but that, don't go away from that because there's something else. There's a few other things. Okay. Okay, so you have Brella, uh, has the people there and would identify themselves and their children and who wear opinions uh, about them. And uh, then um, uh, that's where everything kind of fell off because uh, the guy who all of this was cooled together on that, it was in a, a Tuesday you in the vicinity. They, you said most of them moved to the French colony of Louisiana where they created the unique Cajun, a slurring of Acadian culture. Yeah. Halifax grew to be an important part. It's a city of significant size, but the funny thing about it is that it's unincorporated. And then you say that you've been there twice in the past few years. The lobsters, yeah. mussels, and scallops are as good as any in the world. But Tom, you did not mention halibut that's what happens and so all you have to do now is to look around in the place that you live in and the uh, frenier in us at least uh sit down and get the feelings also uh that these birds which have also helped invented the tom, uh, halibut is is halibut the giant cell in, t- a, in ha- a, tom uh, halibut is in the north is in the North Pacific waters, I know, around Alaska. But is halibut also in the North Atlantic? Is it, is it in the North Atlantic as well? Halibut. Oh, uh, no, no. Nobody's, nobody has us. I mean, you, you really are into your halibut in Halifax, but I wasn't sure if halibut... I guess we could ask them at Mandeville Seafood if halibut is a North Atlantic fish as well. I know it's a, a Northern Pacific fish. Anyway, we'll look that up. All right, the other thing I wanted to ask you about was our trip to Chifunctas yesterday. Besides your six cappuccinos, did you like uh, lunch? Brunch, I should say. To you liked, there, to you like the big donut that you no, ate. Did you uh, just finish the donut that you had? It's it's a fascinating uh, place for people to live. It's a, it's a uh, beautiful place. And it's they're into Fit, uh, once again, uh, the 50. I almost want to go back just to get some cheesecake as a dessert. And it's all there. And they, they <laughs> lobsters, they have lobsters in huge Oh, you're huge still in Halifax? No, I'm talking about Chifunctas. I've moved on to oh. Chifunctas. Oh, I did that yesterday. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. How was Chifunctas? Did you like Chifunctas yesterday? I did. And uh, two days before that, I had uh, yeah, two days. B- before that. <laughs> Two days before that, we were downstairs at Anchor. We were downstairs at Anchor. Now you started talking about. Uh, I'm sorry to interrupt you. I was I was asking you about um, about Chifunctas, but you weren't finished talking about Hall- uh, Halifax. You were talking about the lobsters in Halifax. Do you remember that time that you and I drove yeah. a car in in Halifax and we discovered the um, sauerkraut factories, which I was very surprised by in the middle of nowhere. Do you remember that, Tom? I will the never forget it. Factories. I would never have to favorite because that was a, one of those moments where I should have been short down in every imaginable <laughs> way uh, because it was such a frail, uh, extinct, uh, odd happening. But uh, it, in the long run, you're still eating very well, particularly if you like seafood. Fresh out of the water. So we took, the first time we were in Halifax, which was when we discovered the uh, sauerkraut factories in the boonies. But very the boonies, so. we, we took a trip, we, we rented a car, and we drove to Lundberg, which is an old, old town uh, 
pretty far away from uh, Halifax. And Lundberg, I don't know if you remember this, Red Cottage, Tom, where we Cottage. had lobster that was right off the boat. And um, it was the first time I'd ever had a lobster that fresh. It was really, really good. I am not a lobster fan particularly, but if it is right out of the water, it's pretty good. I got to admit, it's pretty good. It doesn't have the, the meat doesn't have the time to get chewy. It was, it was quite good. And then the next lobster that we had in Halifax that made an impression on us was at the Lobster Pound. Do you remember that place? The whole time I was there, which was about 10 days, the and lobster place with caution. So anyway, we were bopping around and looking at the seafood, and it was wonderful. Their food in that area is terrific. Same is true for well, other, it's lobster. I mean, it's I don't know about all the other done. stuff, but it was lobster. But but the lobster pound is that place that is out on the road, just in the middle of nowhere, where the fishermen come up with the lobster and they will boil it right there there is no nothing glamorous about it you get a lobster they boil it you get some corn and potatoes you take it in a little wooden not wooden but you take in a little paper basket to a picnic table and you eat it right there and then unfortunately the last time we were there those places were not available to serve to the public for some stupid reason. I don't remember what that was, but the government had stepped in and, um, and made a problem that was really not a problem. But it was too bad because those places had a lot of character and uh, they were raffish and the raffishness was their charm and the lobster was flat out incredible, just really great. Okay, so speaking of incredible, we went to Chifunctas yesterday and you had... Uh, that donut, mostly. <laughs> I did. Uh, and it, it, can I, you want me to distribute it? Because I have them all now, and I ate what I think was all of them. No, yeah, there's still more left. It was a big donut, but it was really a cinnamon roll that was then um, coated in a glaze and had chocolate chips on it. This was decadent for people who are really into intense sugar. That's not my thing, but Tom really does like that kind of thing. So you ate half of it yesterday, and I guess you'll finish it in the next couple of days. But besides that and your six cappuccinos, you had a crawfish, uh, you had crawfish Benedict. Yes. And, and that was good. But didn't you think that that sausage patty was exceptionally good? I gave you a piece of sausage patty with mushrooms and that white gravy. Wasn't that delicious? Oh, I actually give you a, not only that, but, but a sample way to handle all kinds of things in your life. And oh. and and here's what <laughs> we it, only got fifteen minutes left of the show. Tom, that's right. <laughs> and, and here's what you you do. You uh, you are uh, you, at this one uh, bill, and you put it in the system, and then. Uh, you uh, suddenly have Europe it's, in every way it's, right there on the sheep. Yep, it's yeah. starting to rain again. And uh, Tom, the edible dictionary word today is brought to you by Dorignac's, one of the top 20 regional supermarkets of all time. I'm going to have to tell Nicole she should look into having the NOLA Creations spice line in her store. 
I have to tell her uh, about that. I don't know if she was listening. Edible dictionary word today is Chinook salmon, Tom. What is oh, that? Perfect. Chinook salmon. Sure. This is more of what I've been telling you about. It's uh, the Norchizo and uh, the, for, the Chinook salmon. Chinook, is, that's it's a kind different, of one of the best ones. That's a isn't different it? story. No, it's not. Um, okay. It, it's, uh, it very much shows the person, people above that area, the people who have lived there all their lives. And, yeah. And uh, it's a. I don't a, know a, what. If, a if great place, place to visit the world. Yeah, okay. Well, that part of the world. All right, Tom Still in Halifax. One of a number of names of the largest member of the salmon family, another common one is king salmon. It's one of the world's best-eating fish, much appreciated in all the places where it lives. In the Western Hemisphere, it's found from San Francisco up to the Bering Strait and down the east coast of Asia to Japan. It spends most of its life in the ocean, but at spawning time, it swims up rivers. One population travels about 1,800 miles up the Yukon River. These fish have so much stored fat that they are most prized of all salmon. You won't likely see them in a restaurant, though, because the fishery is so isolated. The fish is named for a group of Native Americans in the Northwest, Chinook salmon, the edible dictionary word of the day. And we will back. We'll be back after these messages. Are we still there? Oh, I can't hear anything. But I know I can't either. Okay. I can't either. I don't know if we dropped off somehow or what. Let's see. Oh, good. Okay. Um. I don't hear any commercials, though. Here's one. Yeah. Usually, are, are they playing? This isn't a poor boy place at all. DiMartino's is a wonderful restaurant with traditional Italian food and excellent fish and chicken dishes, as well as the muffalettas for which they are known. With three locations on the West Bank that are more casual, the Covington restaurant feels upscale with good food and great prices. It's a winner. DiMartino's Covington, Marrero, Algiers, and Terrytown. DiMartino's.com. Keith Young Steakhouse on the North Shore in Madisonville is everything anyone thinks of when a steakhouse comes to mind. The environment is elegant and handsome. The service staff is knowledgeable, attentive, and friendly. And most important, the steaks are superb. The steakhouse sides are also great. Keith Young Steakhouse, 165 Highway 21, Madisonville, 985-845-9940. When you're awake, the things you think come from the dreams you dream. Thought has wings, and lots of things are never what they seem. It is so true, so very, very true. 5569696 is the number if you want to talk to me. I am here, Marianne Fitzmorris. Tom is sitting in with us for a little bit because we wanted to talk to him about mm. Halifax and Halibut, which was a long-running shtick on the food show. And uh, it, <laughs> it's too ridiculous to even go into if you are so not you familiar with the shtick then it won't make any sense to you because even if you were familiar with the shtick, it barely made sense to you. It's starting to rain again over here. Actually, it's looking quite blustery and um, almost a little intimidating over here on the North Shore at the Cool Water Ranch. Words to eat by today are from George Saintsbury, as they like to say it over there. We would say Saintsbury, but they say Brie, Saintsbury. 
British historian and critic, the bigger the better is, though a common, not universal rule. It does not, for instance, apply to fish. Agreed, bigger is not always better. The bigger, except for halibut. I love thick halibut slabs. We've noticed that. Mm -hmm. Thick halibut slabs. And I especially did. Tom, do you remember speaking of Bury, Saints Bury? Yeah. Uh Do you remember our first trip over to um, the UK? Mm hmm. We sailed across on the QE2, or not the QE2, the Queen Mary 2. Ooh. And we arrived at, um, what's the, it's not London. You don't go into London. Oh, help me out here, folks. If you have been over there, there is a port that is not far from London, and that's where ships go. And then you drive into London, it's like, like 45 minutes away. So we rented a car. And in the days when we used to make Tom do things, the girls made Tom be the driver. And and I would have done it, except that I can't, I didn't want to drive stick shift. So you're, you know, you've got the steering wheel on the opposite side of the car. And then in addition to that, you are dealing with um, having to uh, shift the car as well. And that was like one thing too many for me. And so I thought, you know what, I'll get us killed if I have to focus on shifting. But Tom drove a stick shift car, so I said, you go ahead and drive, Tom. And so he did. And it's for people who are traveling in, in I remember the, the people that we talked to, you're on the ship for a week, so you talk to a lot of people. So we would tell people that we're going to rent a car in London, and they would say, whoa, 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 whoa. you're driving in London? And I said, yeah, it's Southampton. That's it. Southampton is where you go if you're, if you're traveling by boat to the UK. Southampton is about 45 minutes from London. And so I'd, I'd say that, yes, we're going to rent a car and travel around. And they'd go, you're, you're going to drive? And, and we'd say, yeah, yeah, we're, we're going to drive. You're going to drive? Do you know about the roundabouts? which now you see roundabouts replacing all kinds of traffic lights in this country. I know on the North Shore, we have a lot of roundabouts. They're nothing, they're nothing like the roundabouts over there, which have maybe six to eight feeder roads and they're two lanes and they're quite intimidating, I have to agree. but. The, the story that I'm getting to about the Bury, uh, B-U-R-Y being pronounced Bury over there, um, we rented a car and there's a, a place called Tottenham, which is about 15 minutes from Southampton. And because we were so inept at the project of driving, we kept finding ourselves through the, through the um, roundabout system, we kept finding ourselves in Tottenham. So essentially for half a day, <laughs> we drove around in circles and kept winding up in Tottenham and we ultimately had spent so much time being lost that we wound up having to sleep in a place called Salisbury, which is 
which sounds like Salisbury in America, but they call it Salisbury. Salisbury, that's what they called it. And um, we, we got into a hotel that had just been finished, and it was a small little town. They had a great cathedral there. But um, whenever I see the word B-U-R-Y or the, or the um, part of a word, uh, I I am immediately drawn back to Salisbury. Tom, do you remember Tottenham in England? Do you remember we kept going to Tottenham? It was uh, it was quite a, a little adventure, and it was the first time anyone in our family had driven in England as we were forewarned to not even consider doing. Since then, um, I've done it a million times, and it's kind of cool, I think, pretty fun. But, um, and Mary Lee might have a different story because when I drive, I drive really fast and she has to navigate and it's, um, it's a little terrifying for her, I do have to say. But it's not my problem because I'm busy dodging traffic at 95 miles an hour. Words to drink by today are from Horace Hutchinson, an early star golfer also over there. I don't know why we're doing Brit stuff today, but we borrowed golf from Scotland as we borrowed whiskey, not because it is Scottish, but because it is good. I wouldn't know. I can't speak to that. The most drinking that I've done in a long time was yesterday with the bottomless mimosas. Tom, did you like that peaches and cream dessert that you had at Commander's the other night? Do you remember that? At Commander's we Palace? Had, yeah, you had a dessert called Peaches and Cream, oh. and it was um, very tart, and it was a little odd, I thought, but that's not something I would eat. So I was wondering if you liked it. Do you remember it at all? Yeah, I remember it pretty well. Uh, it was uh, kind of contoured down, and it was, I to, to my taste, would be scroiled down. Uh, you didn't finish it, so I don't think you liked it all that well. Because I, 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 you like never it. don't finish not, dessert. Not a, uh, not didn't please me. Yeah, yeah, you never don't finish dessert. I was really surprised to see that. I, to me, that said everything to me that I needed to know. The fact that you only ate half of it, um, and the, and that it was a custard and a fruit dessert, both of which you really, really like, and those two things combined couldn't attract you enough to finish it, uh, told me that it was um, definitely, as they say in the restaurant business, not to your liking. Not to your liking. In this day in 1933, the first grain barge ever to travel from the Great Lakes to the Gulf of Mexico down the Mississippi River arrived in New Orleans. That's in 1933. I would have thought that would have been sooner than that. I'm not sure it had been grown by that time. It, it, it's a late garroter. It left Lake Michigan by way of the Chicago River, then down the Chicago Ship and Sanitary Canal to the Illinois River, then the Mississippi. Well... I'm surprised by that. I don't. There's not much to say about it except that that is uh, seems a little bit late to me. Something worth doing, that's for sure. I'll, it is fun that. to watch the boats, though, on the Mississippi from restaurants and some of the ones that I remember fondly, and then it turned out to be not so fondly. 
cabbies. Do you remember cabbies, Tom, at the Hilton? Cabbies at Cabbies what? at the Hilton. You used to be able to get a really good look at traffic on the river from an eye level at cabbies. Oh, cabbies. 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 Do you yeah. remember? Yeah, that was a little shtick they did every afternoon at the end. It was nothing about it that broke away from it did with whatever poke it was poking. It had a little poker. When did cabbies end? I don't uh, remember if it was Katrina. I think it was uh, Katrina. Uh, it might have been Katrina. No, no. It Darren, left, you're so it, late. Let's, it, let's try to get him in. It left uh, uh, True. But I want to hey. give you something to think about. I want to give you something to think about. Okay, give me uh, something to think about. Lived so so we went yesterday to uh, Middendorf and Slidell. Oh, you did? And it was absolutely excellent. And I would we, tell okay. anyone... Wait, we have Tom telling a story here. Uh -huh. Oh, and Tom I'm does sorry. not know that you're talking. So Tom, finish the story about cabbies. Tom, do you want yes. to finish the story about cabbies? Yeah, I just something caught my. Okay, let's then let's let Darren talk for a sec. All right, okay. Darren. All right, I'm so sorry. I'll, go ahead. I'll so tell you this really Palace. quickly. So we go to Middendorf's. It was absolutely excellent. Everything was fried to perfection. My daughter got the broiled salmon, which, believe it or not, was incredibly well done. And um, but here's what I want to throw out here because. It's something we struggled with. So we go in, Marianne, and we sit down, and about halfway through our meal, we notice a gentleman at a table completely by himself for Father's Day. So my wife and I said, we feel like if we would have noticed that from the beginning, even not knowing him, we would have invited him to eat with us. Well, maybe he and wasn't I'm a father. Well, I know, but it just it just killed us to see that. To see somebody by themselves and this very I mean, you know Middendorf's. It's wall to wall people. And it just so I'm curious if anyone's ever done that. That might be a really neat topic. Have you ever been in a restaurant and felt that you didn't want somebody to be by themselves? Because after all, isn't eating supposed to be about People and groups well, and know, families think, and friends. I think you might be making assumptions, um, Darren. Tom, you used to eat by yourself a lot. Did that trouble you a lot? Uh, do I have? Did you eat when you ate by yourself? Were you troubled by eating by yourself? There's some people who really can't handle eating by oh, themselves. No, I'm pretty good at it. Yeah, you are good at it, Tom. Well, and, I, and I, you know what's funny, Marion? I'm good at it. Maybe the guy was perfectly fine with it. But I, I know, I, I don't know, maybe because it was Father's Day, just feeling overly sensitive about it. Goes mm -hmm. on really maybe because it was Father's so, Day, but he might not have been a father either, you know, you don't even know. know. That, that's know, an interesting, that. we've, Tom has talked about that in the past, about dining alone. I will bring that up, I will bring that up, but mainly from a but perspective of how do you feel about yourself dining alone, because I think, I think most people yeah. are not good at that. It's a little okay intimidating for them. Darren, you called too late, to man. It. You called too late. I know. But Middendorf's was great. Just um, wanted to let you know. Good. Yeah, there's so, so good. much to say. That's a, a, All right. We'll do that uh, another time. Thanks, Darren. What, babe? You're welcome. What Are we still talking about the whiz? Well, we're not really talking about anything. You can wind up what you were saying because it's time to go. Are we getting to go? We're, we're done. The show is done. Well, yes. Pick, pick another day. We'll do it we'll again. We'll talk it again. Yes, it's we'll do it again. It's a very interesting interest Yeah. Yeah. Because that city 
Uh, Are we back to Halifax, Tom? Halifax. We're back to Halifax. <laughs> I knew We're I was gonna. I knew I was gonna open a can of worms by saying the word Halifax to Tom. But we have to wind up the show, Tom. Thank you. We'll talk again soon. Okay. All right. I would say 556, five, but I don't need to. We're done with the show. Happy anniversary to WGSO. Please go visit the website. It's new and it's nice. WGSO.com. There's a yellow button on the front page that says donate. If you click it, your donation's tax deductible. Besides being the community voice of the Crescent City, celebrating 75 years, being the only news talk locally owned station, they are now a 501c3 charity. So click that yellow button and help us to improve quality of everything across the board at the station. Happy anniversary, 75 years to WGSO. We have our own platform here. It's called nomenu.com. We'd love for you to go there. N-O-M-E-N-U.com. That is where you will see Tom's 50-year prolific body of work on everything about food, and especially New Orleans food. There are hundreds of recipes there. They do work, even. There are... Uh, podcasts if you missed a part of the food show there are uh, all kinds yes a lot of archival things extinct restaurants there's well it, there's a lot nomenu.com n-o-m-e-n-u please sign up for the newsletter it comes out twice a week all of those things including the almanac will be delivered to your inbox along with daily specials around town the list of all open restaurants is there and a lot of reviews. We also have at the New Orleans menu. That is our Instagram page. Please follow us there. The newsletter comes up twice a week, by the way. Tim McNally is up next with the Dine, Wine, and Spirits show, so hang on for him. It is 4 o'clock, WGSO New Orleans. Good night. See you tomorrow. Oh, News good. time. USA Radio News with Tim Berg. Some Republican-led states have pulled out or are in the process of pulling out of federal unemployment benefit programs. White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki says the administration will continue to advocate for states to keep the unemployment benefits for the next few months. We don't actually know because the data doesn't exist yet what the impact of the implementation in these states